What's up, Fathom family? Man, I am so excited to get to share with you all this morning. Um, and I call you family today because we're doing a series called We Are Family. And, uh, and that's just um, a part of our culture here that we just want to portray. And you know what? Today with this acoustic setup here and singing, I felt like we were sitting in my living room just worshiping God. And there's something so powerful about that. Uh, the past few weeks, uh, we've gone through some of our core values in this series. Uh, we've talked about unconditional love and authentic community. And we've had the pleasure of hearing from uh, Jackie and Lee on that. Uh, Pastor Kyle has given us this awesome opportunity to get to share from our hearts, um, you know, some of the things we believe God has laid on our hearts. And uh, this morning, we're going to go through our third core value, which is selfless service. And in the past, we've just had this core value as service without that little adjective selfless on there. And uh, about a year or two ago, uh, we decided that it was very important for us to be able to explain to everybody that this isn't just a service in general. This isn't just serving people and then hoping that, you know, they serve us back. It's not this transactional type of service. Instead, it's a service that's completely selfless. And uh, growing up, I played a lot of sports. Um, pretty much my entire youth was revolved, revolved around sports. Um, I would go to school, talk about sports, play sports. I'd come home, and the first thing I would do is run into my bedroom, throw my backpack on my bed, neglect my homework, sorry, Mom, <laughs> and go outside and either play football or basketball. Football was, was one of those things that I always loved. A big Jaguar fan my whole life, but I was never really that good at. And then there was basketball, which pretty much soaked up all of my time. I would be out there so late that we had these big... Uh, green lights. The light didn't shine green, but they're like these giant floodlights, and they were green. And, uh, you know, the, probably the ones you've seen on, like, construction sites at night, um, they just show, shine this giant light. And I would bring those out when it got dark and just continue to play basketball just because I love the sport that much. And I was always, like I said, I was always a Jaguars fan, and, but with basketball, I always preferred college. And uh, my favorite team was the Gators, Florida Gators. But there was, a brief, there was a brief point in my life where I was obsessed with the Duke Blue Devils. <laughs> this was about the time, and if, if you know anything about Duke, they had a player named J.J. Redick. And this was about the time when he was playing. And uh, I always just loved to watch him play. He was this deep threat that would just shoot the ball and made every single shot. And um, I was always just so obsessed with them. And Duke has always been this team that is always like on the verge of being a championship game. Like they'll either win it or they'll be right there competing for it. And a lot of that is due to their coach, uh, Coach K. I'm not going to try to say his last name because I can never get it right, but uh, he goes by Coach K. And his philosophy was always team. Because there's two kind of players. There's players that either play for themselves. We probably have seen those players if we watch sports. And there's the players that play for the team. And Coach K was all about teaching his players to play for the team. And uh, I was listening to Coach K one time, and I heard him use this analogy. And I'm going to actually ask uh, Brian to come up here, one of our students, and, uh, and come help me real quick with this illustration. Come stand right here, Brian. <clears throat> so Coach K is talking about what a team really is. 
And he uses this example of throwing a punch. So just so you know, disclaimer, I don't approve of just punching teenagers unless they annoy you enough. And then it's okay. So that's pretty much how student nights go. We just have boxing matches and um, that's pretty much it. So Brian, what I want you to do is I want you to make a fist and try to punch me. No, don't actually try to punch me. But make, how, would you, how would you punch me if you were wanting to punch me? Okay, so you make a fist, right? You make a fist, okay. So do you think that's the most effective way of throwing a punch? Okay, great, perfect. Now what I want you to do is throw a punch at me, but this time don't make a fist and just leave your hand wide open like this. Yeah, it's not as effective, right? Okay, you can, you can sit down. It's not as effective. You, you can sit down. Thanks, Brian. It's not nearly as effective to throw a punch with your hand wide open. You're probably going to break a finger. You're probably going to hurt yourself. And Coach K, when he's telling this example of team, teamwork, he's saying, I've got five players on a court for my team. And each person represents a finger. They all have a purpose. There's always a reason for them to be on the court. And when they're working individually and not for the greater good of the team, it's going to be destructive. And I think the same holds true for us as a church. When we begin to try to be individuals, when we're serving God, we're serving others, and we're not paying attention to those around us, we're not serving and diving deep into their lives in service, it's destructive to the church. That mindset is destructive to God's church. And so we need to be a fist. <laughs> we need to be a fist and move forward in that way. And uh, when I think about someone who exemplifies service in a selfless way, selfless service, I don't think about somebody who led God's people into great victories. I don't think of someone who is a brilliant prophet or writer. I actually think of somebody who's probably overlooked by most of us in the Bible. And that person is King Saul's son, Jonathan. We're going to read real quick from 1 Samuel chapter 18, uh, verses 1 through 4. And just to give you some background real quick, uh, this is the chapter that follows David killing Goliath. So David steps up, steps forward, and, um, and sacrifices himself and his you know, possible life to kill this giant, um, you know, kills him, and uh, goes before Saul, and him and Saul have this conversation, and then it picks up here uh, in 1 Samuel 18, uh, verse 1 through 4. After David had finished talking with Saul, Jonathan became one in spirit with David, and he loved him as himself. From that day, Saul kept David with him and did not let him return to his father's house. And Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. Jonathan took off the robe he was wearing and gave it to David, along with his tunic and even his sword, his bow, and his belt. Uh, the first point I want to make this morning is selfless service is part of God's plan. Jonathan was the son of a king named Saul. And by human terms, he was the rightful heir to that throne. You know, if we're talking about um, how humans see the world and how they saw the world at that time, it was very much expected that Jonathan would have taken kingship after Saul died. 
But Saul's life didn't give him that opportunity. Saul had a rebellious relationship with God where he just rebelled over and over again, and God decided, you know what? Your family is no longer going to be in this lineage. And so Jonathan is looking at David as someone who he loves, but David is the one who was already given the blessing to become king. He was able to humble himself and serve David, even though he knew he was zipping right in there to take that kingship. When I think about that, man, I get mad if somebody steals a parking spot. (laughs) I get frustrated when people, you know, maybe get that promotion that you want instead of you. Does it ever come to mind, maybe I need to humble myself and serve? But not only did he serve, he gave him his robe, he gave him his tunic, his sword, his bow. I think that Jonathan could see God's plan for David. He could see that by serving him, he's living in God's plan. He could have been jealous. He could have been mad at God. And I think that's sometimes the attitude we have. We see these situations where somebody gets something that we don't expect and that steps in front of us and we just hold this so much against them instead of saying, maybe this is God's plan. Let me serve them and help them in this process. Um, I heard this story of a, uh, and it's really short, of this baby fish, okay? And this baby fish says to his mother, mother, what is water? The mother replied, water is what you swim in. Water is what you're mostly made of. It's all around you. It's everywhere. The baby fish replied, but I can't see it. Life's most precious things are like water. We just don't see it. But Jonathan saw it. Jonathan saw that that God's plan was all around him and agreed to sacrifice himself and his pride for David. Selfless service also shows people Jesus. Um, There's a popular saying in uh, uh, Christian life and, and phrase and quote that you've probably heard before. Um, It's attributed to St. Francis of Assisi, and it says, preach the gospel at all times, when necessary, use words. Um, I've always loved this quote. Um, It's always been something that is very powerful to me. I feel like um, it's very easy for me to say all this to you. It's very different for me to live it out. And that's not to say that using words isn't necessary. It says, when necessary, use words. I, I do think it's important for the gospel to be proclaimed over people's lives, But it's way more important for you to live it out when you get off the stage, when you get um, in situations where you're not able to vocalize it. Um, And I believe that really, that living it out, that selfless service, is the first step in evangelism. It's, It's really easy to point at somebody when they're doing something wrong and tell them they're doing wrong and say they need Jesus. But really, it's a lot harder to help get down on the level with them and lead them through it. And so often we want to have this judgmental attitude that we're pointing our finger and we're not willing to self-sacrifice and serve them through that process. Um, A study at Stanford University actually showed that random acts of kindness, service, physically affects people. It physically does good for them. In fact, it increases oxytocin. That's the love hormone. Uh, that increases self-esteem, optimism, and lowers blood pressure. And this is not just for 
the person receiving the selfless service, but also for the person giving it. It increases energy. It increases happiness. It's a lot easier to be happy when you're serving people. It just creates something inside of you physically when you do that. It, it, it makes you happy, and honestly, it makes the person you're serving happy. It increases your lifespan. You live longer when you serve. It increases pleasure, or the, uh, they call it the helper's high. Uh, it decreases, or sorry, it increases serotonin. Serotonin is the chemical that um, antidepressants stimulate. So if you take an antidepressant, its goal is to stimulate serotonin. And serving people and being served increases serotonin. It decreases pain. It decreases anxiety. It decreases depression. And it decreases blood pressure. There's all these helpful things that are physically affected in our lives when we serve and when people serve us. And honestly, quite simply, we need a lot more good in this world. And that comes through serving people. It makes you feel good, and it makes them feel good. And I think that everything good comes from God. And I'm telling you, people will begin to see God when you serve them. When you serve them and sacrifice your well-being for them with no ulterior motives, it does something in their life. And if you want to begin to see our schools change, our communities change, our government change, whatever you're passionate about, I'm telling you, if you begin to serve the people that are in those places, it's going to wake something up in their lives. And if you do it with the whole purpose of, I'm called to do this because God's called me to do this and serve these people, it starts to make a change in these areas in our lives. And it starts here in this church when we serve each other here, when we put our hand out and we make that fist and, and serve each other in that way, it begins to completely reshape the world around us. Um, selfless service is also about the person, not the action. Um, honestly, people can be pretty hard sometimes. I can be pretty hard sometimes. I'm sure some of you would agree with that. Um, and uh, sometimes I think that we, we view people through our eyes and not God's eyes. When we see somebody, we see them for all their flaws, everything that's bad about them. And to be completely honest with you all, I really, really struggle with this. It is hard for me to get rid of and not focus on the bad things and just focus on the good things. And, um, and I, and I kind of have to just admit that... Uh, my, I'm going to just say it, my new beautiful bride, uh, really, really helps me with this. Um, I'm always amazed by the fact that she can see so much good in people uh, when I can't. And so I want to encourage you to surround your people, you know, if this is an issue in your life, surround yourself with people that see the good. And it begins to rub off on you. It begins, it's at least a conviction there for you that I need to start seeing them as God sees them. Uh, in the first, in verse 4, of First uh, Samuel 18, we see Jonathan take off his robe and tunic and sword and bow and give it to David. Uh, what he's doing there is, is really very, a very big sign that he respects David and sees him as more than just a shepherd. 
Because David was a shepherd, and I'm pretty sure that he didn't wear the same things that the son of the king wore. His clothes uh, were not as fancy. They weren't as nice. They, didn't, they weren't for battle. They were just kind of there. And Jonathan, once again, the son of the king, in human terms, the rightful heir to the throne, looks at it and says, looks at David and says, you need, you need new clothes. Like, I'm going to give you, you know what? I'm not going to go to the store. Just take what I have. Just take the clothes that I have here, and I'm going to lift you up instead of myself. David saw the person, or sorry, Jonathan saw the person and what he was called to be and was able to lift him up through that. Um, so this past student night, um, we had it at, at our house, and uh, Sophie and I were, were talking about it before. We were just kind of trying to come up with a, a lesson that we felt would really reach the heart of the students, because I don't know if you all know this, but students are going through a lot now. They went through a lot when we were kids. It's even more so now because they are exposed to absolutely everything. They have a, most of them have a device that they put in their pocket that can tell them all the world's problems in the blink of an eye. And, uh, and, and it really begins to take a toll on them. And so we were, we were kind of just bouncing ideas off of each other's you know, minds and, and trying to figure out how do we show them that, that God loves them? How do we make sure that they understand this? And I got to thinking about when I was a student myself at about 16 or 17, and uh, I was in a youth group that did this silly little exercise with a plate. Um, basically, what they had us do is write our name on a plate, and get in a, we got in a circle, we wrote our name on the plate, uh, and then we passed it to the person left of, left of us, and, uh, and they had to write one good thing about, it, about us on it. And then um, we said switch, we passed it to the next person on the left, they'd have to write you know, something good about the, the person's name on the plate, and we went all our way around the circle. And uh, I was looking at that, I was like, yeah, man, that, that'd be something great to do, you know, just kind of make this bond. And, um, but it was missing something. And as Sophie and I were talking about it, she mentioned this, uh, like, big list of ways, she called it, titled it, You Are, of ways that God sees people. So not through our eyes, but how God sees us. And um, so what we had them do is we had them, when it got back to them, you know, to themselves, and they had their own name, they had to write three ways that uh, God sees them, just how they thought God sees them. And then we had them flip it over, and we read them, read off all these ways that God sees people. And so I want to share with you all some of the, the ways that, that Jesus sees, that through Jesus we are seen by God. Uh, we're seen as holy. Uh, we're seen as dearly loved. We're seen as blameless, chosen, child of God, co-heirs with Christ, royalty, and masterpiece. If we can begin to see people in that way that God sees you through the blood of Jesus and through Jesus covering everything you've done, we can begin to act in a way that towards them and serve them in a way that is really going to change their lives. We have to see them as the people they are and not the things that they've done. And that is a selfless way to serve. There's nothing transactional about that. There's nothing about boasting yourself up about that. It's all about seeing them through the eyes of God 
and who God has called them to be. And, and I think, uh, I, I just want to ask you, do you look at people that way? Do you, do you look at them and see dearly loved, blameless, chosen, child of God? Or do you see them for the things that they've done wrong in their life? That sometimes just holds us back from serving them. And, and we need to break down that barrier. Um, selfless service is also Christ-like. Uh, it's hard to talk about selfless service and not talk about uh, the most selfless God that we could... To come to earth, to, for Jesus to come to earth and live a life in poverty serving every single person he came in contact with. This is the Son of God coming down and serving in such a manner of selflessness. It is hard to even think about talking about the subject without pointing our hand at Jesus. And his best or the best example that I see of Jesus serving was right before he died. Um, let's, let's turn to John 13, 12 through 17. And I'm just going to read that um, real quick. It should be on the screen. Uh, when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I've set you an example that you should do as I've done for you. Very truly I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Right before Jesus goes and dies, knowing he's about to go and be crucified for us, he does this simple action that speaks so loudly in our face of how prideful we can be. He gets down on his feet, washes his disciples' feet, which is no one was supposed to do this except for servants. And Jesus does this as a sign and symbol for us to remember forever. That not only was he going to go die for these people, but right before he was going to go die for them, he was going to serve them. He was going to serve them in his death, and he was going to serve them in his life. And, and that's what he did for us. In verse 15, he says that we should, be, that we should do as he has done. It's clear instructions that we are supposed to serve each other and serve others. Um, I had a, uh, a uh, roommate in college. Um, his name was Jose. I'll say his name. So if he's watching, I just gave you a shout out. Um, he was uh, honestly a great roommate. But in college, if, there's this thing that always happens for everyone I've ever talked to in college where you go to Taco Bell at like 1 a.m., for no reason, except to just chow down on some food that's garbage. Um, and uh, so that was, you know, at least once or twice a week, something like that would happen. And, uh, and I would most of the time forget my wallet and not have any money. And uh, he would always say, hey, man, I got you. Don't worry about it. And my response was always, okay, well, I'll get you next time. I, I, I can take care of it next time. Next time would come, forget my money again, and he would say, oh, man, don't worry about it. I said, okay, well, I got you, man. I'll get you next time for sure. There'd be times where, um, I, you know, he would have just gotten this new video game or something, or, um, and he's playing it in the house, or he was doing, you know, something 
um, that he put value in. And he would always say, hey, man, here you go. You can have this. You can do this. Just such a selfless attitude. And uh, I told him, I finally told him, I said, hey, man, uh, you got to stop doing stuff for me. You got to stop, stop doing this. You keep giving me these things and expecting nothing in return. And it's starting to make me feel kind of weird. Like, I, I just want to pay you back. I said, why do you keep doing this? And he said, because I love you, man. And uh, that really is just a moment in my life where I realized service has nothing to do with what they're going to do for you, but everything, but it's all about what God's going to do through that service to their life. And when we begin to say, hey, I don't want any recognition for this. I don't want to have any, don't even tell anybody I did this for you, please. I just want this to be about you and what God's going to do in your life. And we truly mean it. We don't just say it to, to sound, you know, good. It really changes life, lives. And it is, has 100% changed my life when people have done those things for me. I'm a, I've been in tough situations where I just needed help. I just needed somebody to do something for me, just to serve me just a little bit. And when it's happened, it's flipped my world upside down. It really does point you directly to Christ. And so this morning, um, I just want to ask you, where are you in this? Is this a spot that you're struggling? When you serve people, are you just sitting back and waiting for that response, that recognition? Or are you serving because you know that when you serve, you point people to Christ? That the world needs more of Jesus. The world needs more of him shown through you. When, you're, when you accept Christ, you're given this amazing, amazing freedom. But with that freedom is this responsibility to be Christ-like, to share Christ with people. And uh, I think sometimes we just completely forget about that part of it. And this isn't a works-based Christianity. I'm not talking about that. But when God does something in your life, man, you should want to share that with others. You should want people to hear that good news and see more and more and more people coming to Christ and seeing their lives changed. Whether it's someone coming from an addiction, whether it's somebody who just ticks you off, maybe it's a family member you haven't talked to in 10 years. How can you serve those people? How can you go into their life and just say, hey, what can I do for you? I know that our relationship hasn't always been good, but man, I'm here to serve you today. I'm, my home is always open to you. What are the things that you can do in your life that are just glaring you right in your face? Because, man, it, it's simple but so complicated. It's, it's simple for me to say, oh, just go serve. Don't worry about yourself when you do it. I mean, living it out is tough. And that's why it starts in this room with people around you who can support you in those decisions. That's when it, I mean, we got to make that fist. We got to be there for each other. And we say, hey, I'm, I know that this person in my life has been difficult and I need your help to just give me the clarity that when I serve them, I'm not hurting myself. I'm just pointing them to God. And get by those people who see those people who see people that are hurting and have hurt you through God's eyes. 
God, thank you for this, uh, this great freedom you've given us, God, this freedom to come to you this morning in, in our nakedness and the fact that you clothe us, God. Thank you for loving us in spite of our failures and flaws. God, and I pray this morning that everyone in this building can begin to break down that walls that stand between us and others and that you can work through our lives and the way we serve people to reach this community, God. God, I pray that relationship walls break down, God. I pray that things keeping us from each other that are standing in the way of you be removed and broken down, God, this morning. We know that you have the power to do it, God, and we are just asking you to come here and help us with that, God. In your name, amen.